0: by talking about Lost Sunday. And if you didn't watch, or you weren't present, you might want to go back and watch the morning and the night service. Particularly the night service. Um, you know, I just want to, uh, before we get to the good stuff, um, You know, when we talk about prophetic words, Prophet Esther operates differently than most prophets. When you've had Prophet Ed Trout come in or Andre, you know, we can point out people and ask him to prophesy over him and he can pull from his office that he stands in what the Lord wants to say to them. And that's great. He can always give an encouraging word and he can always uh, speak over your life. Prophet Esther operates very differently. Uh, She only calls on who the Lord tells her to and which you've seen because she calls them by name you know so uh, obviously God was intentional and I know it can be disheartening if you've been waiting for a word and you ask the Lord for a word and then you don't get one I wanted to cover that briefly on and on a few reasons on why that might happen number one um, sometimes people are in a place in their life where literally they need a, a a word from the Lord and it's just a word from us isn't going to do it. It's stuff has gone so wrong in their life that it's they need this word, okay? It's, it's vital. God knows. And as pastors, we have insight into a lot of what people are going through in the congregation. So when she chooses certain people, we start to cry because we know they need this word, okay? The other option is that um, depending on people's influence, the Lord needs to speak to them because uh, they can do more harm, okay? So um, it's important that in this transition that I'm following the Lord and doing what He asks, and I'm, I, I traveled for 14 years of my life, so I don't, I don't have a traveling bug in me, okay? I've actually said I've gotten requests to go to South Africa and back to India, and I've turned them down because I said, unless the Lord really tells me, I have no desire to get back on a plane and travel for 24 hours. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, and uh, my focus is, is you guys and the ministry here. And so uh, he took it upon himself to tell me through the prophet, this is what you will be doing. So there are certain things that it's important depending on your influence and depending on what God's doing for the ministry as, as it affects many people, the words that he gave us. But you can also hold on to those words because those words he gave were over uh, the children. The children, my children. So he's explaining the, the people that call this their home, that are, are under my covering. He was saying, you will carry God's glory in his presence. And that is what we've been teaching. That's what we've been um, imparting. If you come to our Bible college, you know that is what I'm all about. I'm all about raising up people that operate in God's glory and in his presence. It's not just, a, just the top people that do it. So you need to latch on to those words that she gave. But then the other thing is You know, uh, last year when she was here, and she gave me that word, um, and I I played it for you guys in August when I was um, ordained as the senior pastor after my dad passed away. And I told her that Saturday when she was here, I said, when you gave me that word, I was so excited in January. I thought, oh, this is going to be such a great word. I can't wait for it to come to pass. She said, in the month of your birthday, you're going to establish these new plans, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, I can't wait for the month of my birthday. And I, I said to her, you know, um, when I had to stand up to, you know, a month after my dad had passed away and explain what we were doing on social media and the plans and the projects and the position that I was being put into, that's not what I thought when I got the word. But I said to her, in, in my saddest, darkest hour, I had a word from the Lord that said, you're right where you're supposed to be. You're right in my plan. And so sometimes God gives you a word, because what you're going to have to face this year, you're going to need a word. So if you didn't get a word, your year is not going to be that bad. Can I get an amen? You're obviously going to make it without a word, okay? So hallelujah, Jesus, okay? There's always a positive side to that. Because like she said, the words don't come without purpose. So God gives you a word, it's because you're going to need to hold on to it. Um, And, you know, Sunday night, um, if you didn't see the service, how many people here did not see the service on Sunday night? Okay, just so I have a a hands up of of what, okay. Um, You might want to go back and watch it. (laughs) I've been told that I made for very good TV time. (laughs) I had people from all over the States texting me. So... The anointing, uh, I, I, I feel coming off her is very strong. Since Saturday when I went to the luncheon, she was standing talking to me and I was like bracing myself against the chair. And I was like, man, I can hardly stand just talking to you, you know? And and then when she, I was, as a part of her demonstration on Sunday, every time she'd turn and talk to me, I'd be like, dude, I'm like, I'm in trouble standing, you know? And then she explained why I was sensing that because the, the, the apostle mantle, that's why I was feeling her, her anointing. But even when I was sitting down front on Sunday night and she began, she, it was like she caught me out. Uh, I, was, I turned to Carrie, who, who's on our board of directors, who you've seen lead worship here before, also happens to be my best friend, also a pastor. And I turned to her and I said, man, I'm struggling sitting here. My body is trembling so much from the anointing here. And Carrie goes, really? And I'm like, yeah. And as I look up, Esther had moved away from the notes and she's standing like this and she's staring at me. And I'm like, you know, like we get caught in school talking and the teacher knows what you're saying? That's what was happening, you know? And she looks at me and she drops the microphone. And I was like, I couldn't understand, but I could understand what she was saying. She was saying, you're you're feeling this, right? You're feeling the no- I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling it. Like, And then she goes like this, she's like, be calm, tranquila, be calm. I'm like, okay, I can be calm. And then she takes her hand and she goes like this. And as she did that, it was like liquid hot gold ran over my legs and started coming up my legs. And I'm like, what is she doing? And she does it again. And I'm like, dude, I thought she said be calm. Like, which one is it? Be calm or freak out? I'm doing both. Okay. And it was getting so strong and so hot. I was like, okay. And she's like, okay, there's more coming. And then she stood us up at the end and gave us um, that uh, prophetic word over us. And the anointing was getting so heavy, so strong. Um, If you watch it, you see us both start to go down. She's not even touching us. And then she talks about this birthing. You're birthing this right now. You're birthing this for the promise. And when she started to say that, this pain hits my stomach that I'm like, what is that? like and I'm doubling over and I'm like starting and it's so intense I I, when I was telling my kid Julie the next morning she goes I think you're having contractions that's what they feel like and I'm like what (laughs) in the moment I'm doubling over so bad I'm going down my knees and what happens is I start to think this is funny because I'm in so much pain i'm in so much i'm like what is happening okay like my tears just sucked right up and as soon as like i got to my knees and i was something instinctively was like you've got to laugh because that's the only relief you're going to get from this pain and as i started to laugh that was it i was like instantly drunk in the spirit if you understand god's joy he hit me so hard with it there was only laughing coming out like and screaming laughing if you missed it my, my best friend one of my best friends in Canada watched it and she said I wasn't sure if at first if you were crying that hard and then she's like I kept watching and I was like oh no I think she might pee her pants <laughs> I know I just said that on the mic but it was it was like it was bad I mean I was and and it was like one of those tickles where you like you got to um you know if you've ever had to cough so bad because the, the tickle it's like I had to laugh so hard because it was like it was like somebody's tickling you all at the same time. And this pain was so intense. I was like, what is happening? Okay. But, um, and then it was being drunk in the Lord is just an amazing thing. And, um, it's happened to me about 11 years ago when it happened to me. Then I remember asking the Lord at the time, like, why am I hit with this? Like so hard. And he said, my joy is your strength. And I was about to go into a relationship that would almost try and destroy me that time, 11 years ago. So I knew that wasn't the case, though, this night. I knew that, um, and as I've taken this week to process what the Lord was showing me, it was very intentional, what he did. Um, If you know what's happened the last six months, I've cried a lot. (laughs) And, um, you know, when you get, not just from missing my dad, but also, Every time I would go into God's presence, I love the Lord so much, and I get into heaven, I start seeing him, I see my dad, I cry. (laughs) So God's presence has been very linked with that sadness. And even when I feel his presence so strongly, most people will cry because your body is reacting to his presence. But when when you sob, when the Lord really touches you, and you're crying and you're sobbing, a few days later, you can talk yourself out of it. Because you can say, well, maybe I was just emotional. Or maybe I was crying because maybe it wasn't really the Lord touching me. Maybe I was just being emotional. You get what I'm saying? Even though you know, oh my gosh, His presence was all over me. When you're crying, there's still a tiny element of sadness with it. And that's why the Lord hit me with the joy. Because you can be emotional and kind of cry and not be the Lord. But you cannot laugh like that for however long that went on, you can't fake that. My husband is like, I have never seen you laugh that hard in all the years I've known you, and for that long. Like, you just physically, you can't do it. Like, you just can't do it. Like, he just kept tickling me. It's just, nope, more, 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 you know? But it was, an in- it was intentional, because God wanted me to know that what I'm doing tonight, hear me how I say this, okay? I'm going to do it the best I can has nothing to do with your dad because a lot of what I inherited was because he had to go. So there's a sadness that I walk in because of... So God wanted me to know that this thing, this new thing that I'm birthing through you has got nothing to do with that. This new thing is coming through my joy. And it's yours and mine. And it's coming through joy. So, like I said, he was very, very intentional. With why it happened, God doesn't do anything just because. And the irony is, I've been praying for 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 years that the Lord would hit you know a P three service with the joy, you know, because I love it. I love to see people get drunk in the spirit. It's one of the most beautiful, fun, awesome things you ever experience. And I wasn't expecting to be the catalyst, but anyway. (laughs) All right. Um, With with all this happening, I was like. I had an idea originally what I was going to preach about this Sunday, continuing kind of what we've been talking about, you, you do you, and, and you're achieving your goals, and healthy habits, and all this kind of stuff, but um, the Lord was just kind of steering me in a different direction, and the other morning I was just about to get up from my, I was done with my reading time, and I got a text from Kim, if she's watching, she's in, uh, they're in Delaware, at other little promise, they've got like a little home group there, some of them are in Bible college, and they meet, and so they're watching all the way from Delaware, and she sent me this text, and um, I'm not sure what the text said, but there was a scripture that had nothing to do with the text. <laughs> Kim, it's pretty standard for you though. <laughs> so I thought, well let me check what the scripture says, since I have my book open, and I opened my Bible, and it was, she sent me Hebrews ten twenty four, and I read it, and I thought, okay it doesn't really make any sense but the Lord knows me if he's trying to send me something he knows I'm going to go up back a few scriptures and read in context what it said <clears throat> and when I went up one scripture before it I realized that was the one God was sending so Kim you were close you missed by one number okay <laughs> what the Lord actually wanted was Hebrews 10 23 so let's read that says this let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and I was like wow Lord that is timing if I've ever heard it because the Holy Spirit wants us to know that even this Sunday what happened the hope that was given the words of worth that were deposited in us the enemy comes right away to steal and probably even if i asked the people that got a prophetic word from the lord probably within a couple of days you were talking yourself out of it you're already going well i don't know did she mean that what does that even look like how can it happens it's terrible but it's the way we are some of some of you read the bible and by the time you get in your car you are already doubting what you read yeah you're awfully quiet in here this morning Others of you let go of what you've heard on a scripture that, you're, that you sank your teeth in. You let go when the circumstances come up against you or when things begin to drain you or exhaust you. You're like, oh, maybe this isn't working. Maybe God's, maybe this isn't gonna come through and you begin to doubt what you're believing. And what Paul is trying to encourage us, he's, try, he's encouraging us, he says, cling to the confession of our hope. Means hold fast, cling to it to the confession of your hope what is the confession of your hope he's saying look it's regardless of the circumstances it doesn't matter what you think what you experience what you see we hang on we hang on we're called to hold fast without wavering it means to be immovable unbendable have you ever um, gone to the ocean and like you stand where the waves are crashing and you try and stand still so the waves don't knock you over? And what you have to do is you have to bury your feet in the sand, right? As deep as you can so when the wave comes, it's like hitting you. It's like, but you're, you're standing, you're, you're holding on. You're not falling over, right? Even though the waves are hitting you. So what you're doing is you're digging yourself deep. That's what it means to be unwavering. You know, this, is the only, this word is only used here in Scripture. And it actually means not bowing or bending. Not bowing or bending. You're not going to bow down to what's coming, and you're not going to bend to give way either. It's pretty powerful. But what do we cling to? What is it that you're supposed to be clinging to? We cling to what Jesus said. We cling to the scripture. We cling to that prophetic word that got spoken over your life. You gotta cling to it. You gotta hold fast to it. You need to have a scripture in the Bible for your, whether you use it for your year, whether you use it for the week, but you need to read until the Lord, just something just jumps out at you and you're like, whoa. I've got a scripture that I read in Deuteronomy and I read it every single day because when the Lord gave it to me when it became a rhema word, and I was like, whoa, God, you're speaking this to me. I underlined it, I read it, and I read it every single day. Does it have the same power that it did the first few times I read it? No, but that's not the point. It was God gave me this word, and he's like, hang on to it. So it doesn't matter what comes up, I quote that scripture. I think about it. I read it every day. I read it in different translations. I try and dissect it. I, I, I get it in my heart and mind because it affects... It affects my future and you've got to have a word that you're holding on to that you're clinging to no matter what comes up so when the enemy throws a diversion at you instead of freaking out you take a deep breath and you say god is going to make my crooked paths straight whatever is happening now this is not the final result Because God has control over my life. He is ordering my steps and I refuse to be thrown off course by this diversion. Because God is making my crooked path straight. If you didn't know it, that's a scripture. You don't have to make it super spiritual or religious. You find one that you can use that that encompasses everything. It doesn't matter what you're being thrown at. He's going to make my crooked path straight. We're going through a lot of crooked paths. That's just life. That's how you cling to it. That's what it means to make a profession of your faith, a confession of your hope. You're confessing out, you're saying your hope, you're professing out your faith. Now, I think that the issue comes when there's a lot of people, you can say in the faith movement or in the affirmation movement, and there's a lot of misunderstanding because sometimes people will get Twenty scriptures and they'll be you know just quoting them every single day but they're not seeing any change in their life because I think sometimes people look at the Bible like a self-help motivational book let me hear me it's not that it's not that because it can be that but it's not only that it is the lost will and testament of the Most High God So I think people have their faith misplaced. First of all, they don't understand faith. People people hope something's going to happen. They read the scripture and they want to believe it and they actually think they do believe it. But deep down in their heart, when they're alone, when the problem comes, they don't really believe it. The reason why is because They're putting their faith in the black and white scripture instead of in the one who wrote it. When my dad, I used the story on a Monday night at Bible college, let's say it's 25 years ago, and my dad is obviously still here, and um, before cell phones, and I'm in another country And I need help, so I write to my dad, write him a letter, and I say, hey, dad, I need $1,000. Can you please send it to me? And he writes me a letter back, and he says, yes, I'm going to move some things around, and I'm sending you the money. What I do with that letter is I literally go to the bank with it. I go, and I say, hey, I've got the money coming. Look, the money is coming. It'll be here. That night, I sleep easy. The reason why is because my dad is a man of his word his word is his bond and when he said it it's as good as done I go to bed sleeping easy that night and when the days go by and the money still hasn't arrived I don't freak out if I start to get anxious I read the letter and I'm like oh that's right it's coming and I close my eyes and I say thank you dad for being my lifesaver My trust is not in the letter. My trust is in the man who wrote the letter. The reason I can trust God is because he is always good. He is always faithful. He loves you more than anybody on the whole planet. He is always going to help you. He's always looking out for you. He's always going to provide. So when I look at the scripture, it's my letter from him to say what will happen. So my faith is not in the black and white. My faith is in the one who wrote it. What word are you clinging to? What promise of God are you clinging to? You have to have it. I should be able to ask you, what is your scripture? What is the one that God's breathed on? That just kind of encompasses your life right now. That's, that's just what you're hanging on to. That's what you're believing for. That's what you're just in through all, everything that the enemy is throwing at you, you're like, nope, I don't know about that. But God said this, he said, he loves me. He's multiplying me. He's going to bless me. He's blessing the fruit of my womb. He's blessing my land. He's blessing the grain. That's what he told me. I'm just using his words, right? Same thing with the, with the prophetic words that were spoken. You have to cling to it. You have to accept it. You know what I did Monday morning? I did the paperwork for my passport and got it renewed. Because that's what it means to believe what God says is going to happen. I'm not going to look for the invitations to go, but I'm going to do what he said. Get prepared, because when it comes, you need to be prepared. So either I believe it or I don't. Preparation means I went and got my passport paperwork done. So that's what it means to really act on what God is telling you. Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says this, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So our our words have the power to build people up and give them life or tear people down. The words you speak can either encourage somebody, lift them up, or you can deflate somebody and discourage them. I'm sure you've experienced both. I was reading this uh, study and it said, the harsh reality, Dr. Michelle Borba's research said this, that kids hear 18 negative statements for every one positive. And we wonder why they grow up with, with the image problems that they do. Now, hear me, I understand. Raising a kid is hard because, I mean, half the time you're like, no, you can't eat that. No, you can't swing from the chandelier. No, you can't play with your sister with the knife. No, you know, so I get it. There's a lot of no's in the day. It just is what it is. Like, you know, I get that. But it's finding those moments to be, to give them real affirmation, positive affirmation. It said this as well, that 65% of Americans reported receiving no recognition for good work in the past year Isn't that sad but words can also bring life they can affect you I'm sure you can recall a time that maybe somebody spoke to you and encouraged you and it really just pushed you past something you were struggling with it really just helped you deal with it or encourage you or lift you up I've gotten those sometimes people will text me and they have no idea what's going on and just in that moment I'm like wow Thank you, God. <laughs> I needed that word of encouragement. We're all human. We all need it, right? But how often do we have a positive thought about someone that we're grateful for or something that they did that we, that we liked, um, that we noticed, that we were proud of them, but we don't say it. We don't. You know, they say that there's more negative reviews on a place than positive because people have a good experience and they leave and they don't say it. But if you have a negative, oh, here comes the, here comes the reviews. You know what I'm saying? But if you think of something positive, guys, I'm going to encourage you, say it, text it, write it, email it, make the call. Don't keep encouragement locked up. Don't starve the people around you uh, of life-giving words. Realize that that's what God gives you. He gives you the ability to bring life into somebody's life. And you know they're probably not getting it from their boss. You know, they might not be getting it from their parents if they're a kid. You have a a unique ability to speak life into somebody's heart in the moment. So don't, don't hold back. Some of you really need to just begin to open your mouth because you don't realize what God's deposited in you. The anointing, the life, all the studies you've done all the time, if you came to Bible college, whatever it's been doing, all the devotional time, it's in you. Life is in you, and it's not just for you. It's supposed to come out of you. Now, for some of you, when you open your mouth, some people are going to leave your life. I'll warn you. Just wave them goodbye. Some, not everybody's meant to be in your, in your life. I, like I always say, I'm not everybody's cappuccino, you know. It's okay. That's all right. It's understandable. That's why God made diversity. That's why he made people who like different things, you know. If you don't like the loud music, we have earplugs. But... <laughs> You know there's there's like it's okay people can like different things we don't have to be the same but some people will leave your life when you begin to speak life that's inside of you out because they can't handle it but then there'll be other people that'll be drawn to you because they're supposed to be in your circle because you're supposed to impart life into them that only you can do because they will only hear from you how cool is god he's like the ultimate network marketer right like he's just like everybody is like intertwined and part of it it's just amazing in Luke chapter 6 verse 45 Jesus says this out of your heart your mouth speaks whatever condition your heart is in is going to come out your mouth and I know you've experienced that because you get in a conversation with somebody, it turns into a fight, and you're going like, I don't know what just happened here. How did this go so sideways? Like, we were, I thought we were having a good time. And, and, you know, but later you step away, and you're like, when you find out what's going on, you're like, oh, that's what's going on in their life. They're taking it out on me. Right? You get your heart. If your heart is sick, meaning if you have a poor self-image of yourself, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. I'm lazy I'm an overeater uh, I'm a warrior I'm I'm not worthy all these things become come out of your mouth because it's what you believe in your heart remember it's what I said before when we were talking about a couple of weeks ago I said you do you because of what you think of you you do you because of what you think of you what you believe about yourself is what you're gonna do what you believe about yourself in your heart is what you're gonna say so what self-talk are you giving yourself You have to, some of you have to start making some changes. Like, you have to decide this year, I'm going to start believing in myself. Because God does. God believes in you. And you can see by the words that Esther gave people, how much God loves them, how much he thinks of them, all these good things he's got planned. Almost every person was like, oh, you're going to do this and this and this. And you're like, wow. Like, God's going to do all that with your help. But if you decide, I'm not worthy of that. If you allow your sick heart to give you false humility to say, I can't, I'm not worthy of that, how is God ever going to make it happen? Guess what? It's not going to make it happen. He's not going to override your will for his will. He's giving you that so that you can enlarge your mind, your hope, so you can begin to think and dream bigger to say, okay, God, all right, I guess we're going to put on our traveling shoes. And we're going to raise the money for business class tickets. listen i traveled business when i was in the world i was an art auctioneer for 14 years come on now like lord he can do better come on come on now where's your faith i got my faith you know what i'm saying but you just like you have to decide okay god i want it all like let's start making the plans what does that look like what does that even look like i'll tell you the lord had me do something i wasn't going to share this but i'm going to share it um I, something I've never done before. I was in my time with the Lord on Tuesday, and some, you know, sometimes I feel his presence in my time alone with him, like tangibly feel it. I don't even know what happened this week. Like Tuesday, I would, it came in. By the way, my muscles hurt so bad after Sunday that I, I like to get on my knees before the Lord. I couldn't on Tuesday. I say, God, you know me, I would get on my knees right now in the room, but there's no way I'm being able to go down. So I'm just going to stand up. And uh, he, the presence came in my room so strong that I was like, I actually started to giggle. I'm like, God, like, did Jesus just walk? I didn't want to open my eyes. I was like, I was I was thinking I might see Jesus. Like, it was like Jesus in the room or an angel. And I I've, I've felt God's presence a lot in my life. So you must understand, if I'm saying this, this is not like, and I'm like, <sighs> <laughs> like trying to like breathe and, and pray. And I'm like, and um, I remember Benny Hinn saying, like, when you get to that, place with the Lord begin to prophetically decree whatever comes out because you're in the highest level of faith with God you're right there say what comes out and I began to decree things that in ways I've never said before and one of them was I I I said this I'm going to obviously paraphrase I'm going to do my best to remember exactly how I said it but I said I call in Those places that I'm supposed to travel to this year, the places that my foot needs to tread on, that God has called, that I'm supposed to be a well to, I call in the invitations right now. I call the open doors right now to come from every place that by the Spirit of God my foot is supposed to tread. Dude, I get the annoying coming on me again right now. Like, what? I've never done that. Like, because you're, usually we sit back, right? Oh, God's going to do something. I'll just sit back and wait for it to come. I've never been that proactive. Like, I was like, wow, God, this is cool. This is new. Like, calling in what he said is going to happen. I mean, how much more in faith can you be with him when you agree with him and you actually call it in? Wow. I was just like, I was like, wow, God, that is just, that's deep. I liked it. I'm sharing it. All right where am I on my notes? All right, so it's important to get your heart right with the Lord. It's important to um, really believe truly in your heart who you are and begin to speak it out because the enemy knows your weakness. He knows knows all of us. We all have insecurities. We've all got certain things, and so what he'll do is he'll just put his finger on it. He'll just make you not get that job promotion, or he'll make you get in a fight with your with your friend, and then you'll have a meltdown, because your insecurities come up. Your insecurity says, well, I'm just never good enough to get a job, right? I just can't get a promotion. Nobody thinks that of me. Or you say, oh, my friend, oh, just, they just, they just never, ne- they never take my side. They never see what." Anyway, all your insecurities starts to come out, where if on the flip side of that, if you decide to cling to the words that Jesus spoke over you, then your response would be different. Your response would be like, well, I guess that job wasn't for me. God must have something better. Because if you truly believe God is directing your steps, then you wouldn't, you wouldn't be crying over that job. Because you would know God's got something better for you. If you had a fight with your friend, you'd be like, well, that was interesting. Maybe they're going through something right now. Maybe they had a rough day. Because I know they love me, and I love them, and I refuse to let the enemy come in and put strife between us. God is a God of love, and I am too. See, God's not just off to changing your speech, cleaning up your speech. He wants to change your heart. If he changes your heart, everything coming out of you will be changed. So what you have to do is find what you want to believe about whether it's the scripture, whether it's a prophetic word, and you need to meditate on it. That means to take time and dream and imagine with the Lord. Close your eyes. Picture this word. What does it mean? Picture the scripture coming alive. Think about it. Meditate on it. Pull it apart. Listen to it over and over and again. And begin to meditate and let the Lord take you with these thoughts so that the word literally becomes part of you. That every time you talk to people, it somehow comes out in a sentence. That's what it means when it's really part of you. What is the word that comes out of you when you're squeezed? I'm going to close with this story. Um, At the age of seven, there was a young boy called Glenn Cunningham. His brother and a few friends, his brother and another guy had run, he was seven years old, had gone to their school. Um, This is the early 1900s, and their school was just one of those little one-room classroom things with the old coal heaters. And uh, his brother... Thought he'll just start it before everybody gets here. Didn't realize there were coals in it from the night before. Didn't realize that the old kerosene can actually had gas in it. So when he poured it on it, it exploded. And um, his brother, Floyd, was killed. And Glenn was severely burned on his legs all the way down. Um, The doctors wanted to amputate his legs because of the condition this is you must remember it's like 1917 too they don't have the same doctor stuff that they have now but uh he was the kid, he was just so upset he was like no please don't let them take my legs don't let them take my legs but the doctor said he will never walk again and if he does he'll never walk properly because he's, the flesh on his knees and his shins were all burned off. He, all the toes on his left foot was gone and his transverse arch was practically destroyed, which is what supports your weight on your foot. And he, he was crying and the doctors went out telling his mom this. He, He's when his mom comes in to speak to him, he says to his mom, I, I will walk again. He says, I will walk again. And she said, well, I don't know, son. They're saying you might never, he goes, I will walk again, mom. And he says, one day I'm going to run and I'll be the fastest man alive. You'll see. So his great determination coupled with hours. His mom would massage the leg, massage the, what was left of the muscles. It was a new type of therapy really to massage the muscles. And it was summer of 1919 uh, when he first tried to walk again, two years after the accident before he tried to walk again. And he would walk along the fence outside and and try and walk and then try and play with his siblings. And and he has this great positive attitude, but he was also a, a child who was raised with faith. And his favorite scripture was Isaiah 40 verse 31. And if you know the scripture, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And one day when he was, trying to hold on to the tail of, like, their little animal that they had in their yard, he realized that when he ran, it caused him less pain. Because when he walked, it was like shooting uh, knives in his feet, but when he ran, because he was on his toes, he could run. It was less painful to run. So he began to run. And he ran faster and faster. And in 1933, Cunningham won the silver medal in the 1933 Olympics and in ni- for the mile, And in 1934, we have some pictures. And in 1934, he set the world record for the mile running at four minutes and six seconds. We have another picture up there. There's him with his feet. You can see he can barely put his foot down from wheelchair to breaking the world record. They called him the fastest man alive. I think we have one more. One more. This is his quote. He says, In running, it is man against himself the cruelest of opponents. The other runners are not the real enemies. His adversary lies within him, in his ability and brain and heart to master himself and his emotions. That's exactly what we're saying. God is the God of the impossible. God is the one who can make it happen if you will believe it. If you will say, I will walk again, I'm going to hold on to Isaiah, that scripture. I will walk and not faint. I will run and not grow weary. That was his scripture. His word, I will walk again, and the scripture. His word and the scripture. What is your declaration? What is your declaration that you're speaking coupled with the scripture behind it? Because your declaration is what you're believing coupled with the power of God to bring it to pass. That is how determined you have to be. Those doctors that said he would never walk again, but he's word as a seven-year-old boy, I will walk again, and I'll be the fastest man alive. He went on to get his PhD, and then him and his wife Ruth started youth ranches for abandoned, abused, or delinquent children after World War II. It's estimated they took in eight to 10,000 youths over a 29-year period at their ranches. From a, from a devastating tragedy, something that most people would, would be a victim for the rest of their life because of what happened to them, chose to believe in the God of the impossible, the God who could do it, and chose to believe that they could make a difference even after they achieved success, what they wanted to do. Now, God, what do you want me to do for you? How do you want me to impact the world? God wants you to impact your world. You shouldn't be limited by a tragedy, by anything that's happened to you, by a setback. You can still impact the world around you. God has placed you there for a purpose and a reason. What is your declaration? What is your scripture that you're holding fast to it? The title of my sermon was Winning, Not Wavering. We're not gonna waver this year. We're not gonna bend. We're not gonna bow. We're gonna win we're not going to waver. Amen? Go ahead and stand with me this morning. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for your words. Thank you, Father, for writing us the Bible, God, with all these promises in it that we can cling to. Thank you for your prophets that brought us such amazing words, God, over the promised church, over the children here, God. Lord, we are excited. We are anxiously awaiting, Lord. We believe that every person here, Father, would walk in your glory, walk in your presence, walk in the fulfillment of what you've got for us. Lord, we are aligning ourselves with you. We choose to believe that we can do the impossible with you, we can accomplish it. I thank you, Father, for every person under the sound of my voice, for those that maybe have been through trials and tragedies, and Lord, that you can bring the encouragement that they need as they cling to you, as they make the decision to cling to you. Oh, Father God, that you're going to show up mighty in their life. I thank you, Father, for being such a good God We love you Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask my ministry team to come forward. If you need prayer for anything, uh, you want somebody to pray with you, stand with you. If you want to dedicate your life to the Lord, if you want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit or get healing or anything that you need prayer for, they're down front to pray with you. Have an awesome week. God loves you more than we could ever imagine, right? Amen. We love you too. Have a great week.